Hello, everybody there. Welcome to Tag Talks, a podcast run by MDS graduates for MDS graduates and members of the food industry. I'm your host, Matt Welton. We've made it three seasons through this podcast, running from hypothetical meals to following leaders of the industry and their career paths. And if you missed any of those seasons, rewind yourself back and have a listen. This season, we have a new approach, topical, some may say. This season, we'll be bringing on guests to talk about important matters in the industry and the experiences they've had so far. This week, we'll be chatting about LGBTQ plus in the food industry and looking what experiences our guests have had, but also enlighten people about this matter. This week, I have the lovely James Cooper and the lovely Amy Burke joining me. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hey, Matt. So I think we should probably start with a brief introduction to both of you guys. I don't know. Should we start with James? Oh, I'm first. This is difficult. I've never done a podcast before. Uh, hi, I'm James. Um, I'm in my <clears throat> fourth secondment with the MDS scheme. I finish in April uh, and I identify as a gay man. I think that's everything you need to know about me at the moment, Amy. <laughs> Short and sweet. I like that. Um, hi, everybody. So I'm Amy Burke. I am currently working for AHDB, which is a levy body um, that takes a supplement from farmers and put it into research and development. My role there is skills development manager. So I help farmers and the guests then in turn helps the wider industry to be better people managers. Um, and as much as I'm passionate about that, I'm more passionate about um, equality and diversity, and I identify as a lesbian female from Birmingham. Had to add it in because someone was going to ask, weren't they? So, yeah, strong Brummy accent. Apologies. If you need translation. I don't think they could tell from the accent, <laughs> could they? <laughs> no, that's me. So we have planned this to a T. We've got this down. I think this is going to be a cracking episode. So thank you for both joining me this week. I think in the terms of this episode, I think it'd be a really good way to start with, let's look at some stats, you know? So Amy, I think you brought some stats along about uh, the LGBTQ plus community in the food industry. Yeah. So the I think the first point to make is it's quite staggering how little stats there are out there. There's not enough research that goes into the detail. You've got standard office of national statistics um, facts that, you know, we can find out from various data, you know, what people admit to or what people are happy to talk about. But really nailing it down into into our industries, it's there's not much out there. Um, so one of the stats is there's 2.7% of the population identifies L, G or B. So lesbian, gay or bisexual. But as I say, this really does depend on people being confident enough to say, I'm, I'm going to put lesbian in this box or whatever it might be. Um, there is a report as well with IGD, so the Institute for Grocery Distribution uh, have a report out there that at least one open LGBTQ plus leader at executive level, there's only 36% so imagine that whole wide industry of grocery is massive and there's only 36% of the people at that leadership level identify as being openly gay. So the reason I keep mentioning that they identify or they're confident is because there's possibly another 20% who are not confident enough or not open. Um, and, you know, a couple of years ago, when I came out eventually and told my story, there was a chap who'd sent me a message saying, really loved your story. I'm 76 years old 
and I'm, I'm still too scared to come out. So this is why the statistics are really important because it gives us an understanding of those who are out and, and confident about being out, but also there's those underlying messages that there's some people who are still working away and not being their, their true self. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to work on and we can probably discuss the the challenges of why it's so important that uh, people are open and, and feel like they belong yeah it's interesting you say about this 20 percent. actually you know like it's um it must be quite a scary thing especially coming out as well like in such a maybe not just in the industry just in life in general yeah definitely and i think it's it's worth talking about that because it doesn't matter whether you work as a in mcdonald's or whether you're a you know, a farmer, it doesn't matter about your job. The most important thing is being able to be the best you at your best ability. Whereas if you're sat there worried about talking about your personal life because you're a lesbian or you're a gay man and you think that your boss is going to sack you or, you know, it, you, you don't even know what, this, what they're thinking, it means you can't do your job to the best of your ability. Um yeah, so there's, yeah, there's a, there's, I think there's, I mean, I can't say for certain, there's probably other research out there, but I have an underlying feeling there's more people out there that are closets and not really open. I, th- I think there definitely needs like a massive support base in this. And I think we're going to talk about this a bit later on in the episode as well. But um, I just thought like, it'd be great to like follow on from that, just talking about your experiences, both of you. I think maybe like we'll start, we'll start with Amy actually. Um, I, I wrote down a question, but it said, how have you found your experience in the industry and has it changed from when you started out in the industry? That's a really good question. So I've, I've worked in agriculture um, for about 13, 14 years. Um, so I went, so I'm from Birmingham which you can imagine is a really nice urban place to be um and then I went to Harper Adams University so it was the complete opposite so you can imagine so already I had this experience of feeling out of place <laughs> so, so when I went so I went to, went to Harper and not I mean, at that time, I didn't really, I was 18 years, I didn't really know what my sexuality meant. I didn't have a clue, but there was not a single other lesbian or gay person. And if there was, they definitely wasn't, wasn't out and open. And I think that's the issue is there's not really many role models in agriculture um, or probably food and farming and, and that kind of stuff. So, so I went went to Harper and, I, and graduated and then started physically working in the industry. And after a couple of years, I thought, oh, I think I might be a lesbian. Um, you know, these feelings just come to you. Everyone has a different story. And that's the most important thing to say is we're not all the same. We're all very different. Um, and it, it takes your time with this, this sort of situation. But yeah, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go and see what happens. And it turns out, yeah, I'm pretty much a lesbian. Um, and then it was you go through those emotions of, well, it's not normal. I, I can't have children. You go through all the standard questions that you think everybody would think about. But most importantly, I didn't want anybody that I worked with to think that because, you know, it, personally, it's hard enough in a male-dominated industry to be a female. <laughs> and then it's hard enough to come, not come from a farming background to then try and tell people, I think I know what I'm talking about. And they go, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was young. So if I'm adding a lesbian in the mix, wow, it's just going to blow people's minds. They're going to be like, well, you just completely don't fit in here. So get out. And that's, it's imposter syndrome. And I had it for so many years, probably most of my career. And it was only until about four years. I mean, my family were all fine with it. They were all, no one cared. Honestly, not, my friends and family didn't, didn't care at all. But I feel like that was because it, it's a city thing and, and the urbanisation accept it a bit more. 
But when I did eventually come across AgRespect and thought, I'm going to, I'm going to open up here and I'm going to share my story. Um, actually, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think a lot of it is this fear. You think that all the farmers are going to not work with you anymore, but it, it couldn't be any, any further from the truth. As I say, a lot of people then opened up to me and I then built this passion with AgRespect to inspire others and help others through their journey. Don't get me wrong, I've had some experiences when you, you know, when we when we took a tractor down to Brighton Pride and you see what people write on um, the Farmers Weekly post and it's just, it's horrific. I mean, what do you care if some farmers are taking a rainbow tractor to, to Brighton? Just, you know, why do you need to say hurtful comments? Um, so there's been a few experiences like that, but you need to build your own confidence to not care. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about being gay or whether you're talking about um, what tractor you like. You know, who cares? It doesn't matter if I like a John Deere. You know, just let me be. Let me drive the John Deere or let me, you know, have a girlfriend. Do you think you've had any like really unexpected reactions where you kind of were really dreading it about telling somebody in the industry, but they've actually just surprised, gave you a really surprising sort of reaction to it. Yeah, I think, so there's, there's obviously the usual, everyone says, oh, the older generation don't get it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a complete myth because actually some of the older, uh, um, not in a discriminative way, but some of the older chaps and the older men, they go, oh, right, okay, well, yeah, I don't really care and carry on. And that's the reaction you want because it doesn't matter. Whereas actually some of the younger people, when they see these stories, they tag them out and say, oh, you're gay. This is you, isn't it? This is your tract. And you think, what the hell? So, yeah, um, it's the old, yeah, the old generation who I thought would be, oh, that's that's not a, not a cup of tea. That's not what we do. I thought that'd be the worst, but actually the better. I mean, I mean, talk about age. I mean, James, like you've obviously just started in the industry. You're just about to go into, honestly, a, a real like a, a big permanent job. How have you sort of found it as being a young gay man in the industry? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, tracking on from what Amy just said, it's really comforting to hear her story. Uh, and it really does highlight that whole thing of we all come from a different background. You can't compare people's coming out stories. It's all completely different. And I think my biggest take home from that is this whole thing of nobody does care. This is the thing. And that's such a comforting thing to hear, although it might sound a bit harsh to some people. Nobody does. And nor should anybody care about your sexuality when it comes to a, when it comes to a job or when it comes to anything in your life. Um, I think going back to that stat we said at the beginning about you know how, how many people we don't think are out in the industry or at executive level it really doesn't surprise me because it's that sort of i think it's the degree of shame that comes with coming out especially when you're in a high paid or an executive role within a company um which is sad but i think also completely valid um and whether that comes down to people feeling safe in their jobs that they do or within their families um or just the fact that they might not feel like they're meeting expectations or um you know just generally not fitting in Overall, I've had a really positive, um, you know, start in the industry. Uh, MDS have really helped to cushion that. I've only been in the industry, what, nearly two years. Um, and my current sort of placement I'm with, with Protolan, and they've just been fantastic. I can feel I can, I feel I can be completely open with them as a gay man. And yeah, overall, it's been a positive experience. But like Amy said, it's just, it's different for everyone. And um, equally, everyone's, um, you know, everyone's voice and everyone's opinion is still valid in that, whether you've had a good or bad experience coming out. James, what is your um, what's your background before uh, agriculture then? Yeah, so my background actually is so I studied horticulture at Rittle University. So Amy, I'm your direct competitor here in that instance. Um, 
So yeah, I studied horticulture. And again, that was very much the same as agriculture. That was a very limited, I was going to say scene, but that sounds a bit a bit seedy. But there's just a very limited sort of um, visibility within the industry for you know LGBTQ+. I didn't really identify with anyone while I was at college and university. I didn't feel like, you know, you do all these things of trying different sports and playing different, you know, hobbies and stuff like that to meet new people, but you still don't feel like you fit in, which is really isolating. And I, I sort of went inside myself and found it was a bit of a shame to be like that, to be that person because no one else was like it. Um, so there, yeah, there's that shame that's attached to that. And once you get a shame attached to something, you don't want to sort of let that side of you out. So you sort of harbor it inside. And only recently, and I would say only since joining MDS and being in some really supportive roles where I feel actually I've been able to let that side of me out. And again, that's it's a long process to do that. It's sort of, and it's a really vulnerable process to be, this is me. And it's sort of that whole thing of you, you're even going to like me, you're not going to like me. This is me at my most vulnerable. So yeah, it's, it's difficult, but I think... I've also taken that as a positive as well because you come away from that feeling as if you're um, you are just you. There's not that weight on your shoulder, like Amy said, to be someone different while you're at work. Amy, have you found a similar story to James? Yeah, and I think so. I just want to manage people's expectations that listen, and we've got this amazing positive story because it it takes it takes a while, and it's all about self development and about yourself and being comfortable with who you are and at the same time the big thing that I always say is accountability so if you see somebody say something that's homophobic or racist or anything like that you as yourself you've got to stand up for you stand up for what you believe in and it equally you know allied support so you know we have some fantastic allied support in our in, in especially in farming um who if they see a, a a negative comment will stand up and say that's not right um nine times out of ten it's it's about it's this unconscious bias isn't it so it's people not really understanding it and you're always scared of the unknown but i don't really understand gays or lesbians so i've decided that i don't like them and they they you know, put whatever the mis- miseducation out and they, they put this hate out there. But actually, when you get to know them and they realise, oh, right, okay, so she's a normal person and, and you know, who she spends her life with actually doesn't have an impact, then that, that changes everything. I know the once uh, there was a, a tweet and somebody had put a tweet out and said, oh, why'd, why do gay people have to have a whole, whole month of pride and all this nonsense? And I said... I'll tell you what, um, I'll meet you for a pint of beer and I will explain that to you. And sure enough, that was accepted. And we had a conversation about it. And they said, wow, I think actually you probably should be celebrating all year long. I said, well, some people definitely do. (laughs) (laughs) When you actually, when you realise the indifference and the inequality that some Uh, gay lesbian trans people go through you understand why it's important that they fight and make people accountable for their disgusting acts of violence or their discrimination so yeah as much as as I say as much as there's some fantastic positive experiences I just want to make people aware that there are some nasty people out there who just I don't know. They've just just got got this sort of uneducation in their mind, and they just want to target and be nasty. A lot of these people do exist in the world, and unfortunately, there's no way of, except for education, really getting them out of it. So, what sort of advice would you both have for LGBTQ plus in the industry, or just in general? It doesn't have to be the food industry. I don't know who wants to go first. So, 
I I think it's a three pro, three pronged approach. If there is such things, three prongs. But um, it's awareness. So, like you said, that kind of education piece, starting as early as possible. And don't please, if there's any audience members listening who think that if their kid finds out about LGBT at five, they're going to be, you know, mind mind blown or something. It's not about that. It's about saying, you know, it doesn't matter the colour of your skin, who you love, your religion. We're all the same. We all should be treated equal equally so raising that awareness from early on then I think it's about as I said that that accountability it's 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 saying okay so so for example if I'm if I'm employing somebody who is a gay man rightly so they need to have equal opportunity as a, as a straight man or a straight woman but there might be some things that I need to do differently to respect that. So, for example, you know, James might say, uh, me and my partner are going to adopt. Well, he still needs the same treatment as if I was going to have a baby and, and that. So so the accountability is understanding what, what you need to do to, to, to support your workforce or support your friends or whoever it might be. And, um, and the third bit is the action. So it's it's all well and good knowing what's going on, and and you know sitting there and and um, having you know LGBT in your workforce, but act on it. And there is nothing worse. Getting on my soapbox now. Apologies. There is nothing worse than somebody saying, "Yeah, well, we've got a diversity policy." So we tick that box. Thank you very much. It's it's a bugbear of mine because what you should be doing is creating a culture of acceptance and welcoming because then what you become is an employer of choice. Everybody wants to come work for you because you, you're very welcoming. You've got a safe space for people to talk and be open and be who they truly want. So people want to come work for you. And then the people are there, they're feeling open and free. So they actually work harder. So I know I'm talking mainly from a work perspective, but I think that's where a lot of the issues lie. Because if you come home from work and you've had a bad day because somebody's homophobic or it, the policies don't match, you know, your uniqueness, and then it just impacts your life and you don't want to work, and it, then it's a downward spiral of that mental mental well-being. You just don't need that because, like, work's hard as it is sometimes, you know. Regardless, you don't need to be coming home with that extra problem and burden on yourself as well. Yeah, and why, you know, just be kind. So that is really how we're going to tackle the whole LGBT issue in one nutshell. Um, just sign me up now. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing advice. James, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. And I think f- for me, although it feels like such a small thing, I think mine speaks from experience, especially when you're on the MDS scheme and you're going through, you know, four different secondments and each time you're almost re- reintroducing yourself to loads of different people and who you are and where you're from and all of that sort of stuff. And I think mine is more from, you know, just don't assume, why, we, we shouldn't assume people you know anything of anyone so like immediately if i meet someone and they're like oh so do you have a girlfriend and you're like no and then it's sort of left there at all whereas and then that sort of that cuts a whole almost cuts a whole bit of your life out of get you know out of out of you you can't get to know that person any closer because you're like you i was very much too you know scared or you know um yeah quite shameful to actually admit to some people um you know that i was a gay man uh, especially when getting to know someone new it's a new area it's a new job role and all of that so just not assuming if someone just not yeah just not assuming and just being like do you have a partner and letting you know it just drives that safe space um for someone to you know um 
be themselves. Would would you say that people need to sort of ask more open questions as part of this? Because I feel a lot, I've noticed from experience, a lot of people tend to go like, oh, do you have a girlfriend or do you have a boyfriend? Do you think there's like part of it which is opening more, like, uh, sorry, asking more open questions? Yeah, definitely. I think just opening open questions just <laughs> opens the door to uh, more fluid conversations about about things because we're humans at the end of the day. We're not, we're not sort of a binary, we're not binary beings. We're not on and off or, you know, or anything like that. We, we're very fluid as, as humans. So we shouldn't be... Uh, we shouldn't be having conversations like that, I don't think. So just by asking them open questions, you can get loads more out of people. I think like it's been really lovely talking about your experiences. I think like we've talked about sort of the advice and the support. I think it'd be great to go. I think we wanted to talk a bit more about the mental health part of this as well. And I don't know if I was going to ask if there are any statistics about this, but I think we've already talked about that. Unless Amy has some lying in her lying in the back of her pocket somewhere. I think there are. I think there's a lot of statistics out there, especially generally about um, unfortunately, the link between suicide and people not being able to be open. Um, there's some fantastic charities out there that can support, um, particularly around this. And um, yeah, and and I think that the main thing is being, as you say, kind of being able to talk and and finding that open space that works for you. So some people are more introvert and are not comfortable going to a pride event or going to their local sort of LGBT social group if they exist. Um, but there are social media. We're, we're so lucky now, you know, when I was, when I was coming out as such, there wasn't social media and there certainly, well, there probably was, I'm not that old, but there wasn't, you know, these groups that are set up now and easy ways to communicate with somebody. Whereas now you can go onto a chat room or whatever it's called, a social group, and talk to somebody who's in a similar situation. And and so me and James said everyone's situation is different. You can kind of understand that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the key thing, isn't it, is to say, I can still live a normal life. Because for some reason, people get it in the head that if they don't follow this norm that's a marketing spiel that you see on every advert on the TV and every family on all the soaps, have got, you know, 2.4 and it's a man and a female and they're always white, aren't they? If you don't match that, what you see every day, then you must be weird and you must not be able to live a normal life. And what people tend to do is a cover-up. So you tend to put a front on and just, and I, I, for years I, I had boyfriends and, and, and as much as they were absolutely lovely people, I just never fell in love and I just thought I was a weirdo. But then I get, got my first girlfriend I was like I can I see it all now and you see that that light at the end of the tunnel um and and it's just it's so sad that some people have uh, just can't go through that and they think actually you know what I'd rather just be unhappy for the rest of my life and and meet various people's expectations and that's another thing isn't it James it's, there's people around you that have these expectations you must do this 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 and you think well all right then and there's so many people you watch and they they, they follow it and you think what, what a shame and God knows what's going on in their minds and yeah sad thoughts so I think it's that visibility as well isn't it that sort of you you sort of try and look for people that you can relate to whether that's in a professional setting whether there's anyone in a professional setting you can be like oh I want to be not be like or perhaps be like them or just you know and and you, as you said that statistic is so low of senior management um you know what was that statistic again it was so only 36 percent openly identify as as gay so if you yeah you just think of that figure and you think 
if you relate that to a company, it's like, there's you know, who can I relate to within that company? Um, I, I think that's the part I really relate to. It's just difficult to do that, isn't it? Yeah, because everybody needs a role model, right? And when you were growing up, who was it? So for me, it was like Power Rangers or Spice Girls. <laughs> and I don't think it was there. Spice Girls for me. <laughs> of course. It's all making sense now. But it's, but it's true, isn't it? I think, you know, nowadays, so my niece is... Um, is not is asexual or non-binary so i mean it already that in itself it just opens up another complicated world but she has so many role models that's why she's she's 15 years old and she can openly say to her mom oh by the way you know i don't have a girlfriend boyfriend i don't i don't want to do any kissing and that kind of stuff because she can see all these role models whereas when i was younger i wouldn't even know how to start that conversation i wouldn't have a clue um but I think the advice is just start the conversation. Don't try and plan everything ahead. If you're worried about what your parents are going to think, your siblings, your friends, just start off by saying, I feel really uncomfortable or I'm scared to tell you this. And straight away, you're on the, you're on the better foot because you're allowing them into your feelings and emotions and they can't then shout at you because, well, then they'd be very mean, wouldn't they? But, you, you know, just start by explaining what's going on in your head and even if it doesn't make sense to you and it doesn't make sense to them at least you're getting it off your chest and you're starting that conversation and the same for parents or siblings or friends if someone comes to you and starts saying you know oh, I feel like I'm a lesbian or I'm a gay man don't turn around and go oh it's probably because you haven't found the right person yet or um Actually, do you think it's because you're just going through a phase? I mean, I can write a whole <laughs> list if you want, Matt. Matt, I can write a whole list of some of the things that we said that get said. I'll join you on that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe this can go into the appendix of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just what not to say? Yeah, what not to say? What actually? What to say is nothing. Just listen, because that person just wants to talk to you and just wants you to know that that you know what they're thinking, and just sit there and listen and go. Okay, Okay, well, it doesn't matter. I accept you for who you are. There's a problem also. I think there's a, there is that big problem with over planning is when you over plan, you overthink. And when you overthink, you send yourself into this sort of, it's almost good to just get the foot on, into the door in the first place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't script it. I don't know if this is like, um, are there many like uh, supports for like uh, LGBTQ currently in the community for the food industry? So I think, so, so there's, so there's Ag Respect, which I mentioned earlier, which is fantastic initiative that's been set up and it's it's all about this sort of safe social space so you can talk to you know like-minded people um and the team have set it up purely to be that it's not sort of a governance thing it's not a charity in, in any case and it's certainly not um not a support group as in you know you've got um, certain feelings you want to talk about it's talking and socializing and that's that's what makes it feel normalized so you're not sat there being negative or anything you're sat there talking about the positives um so ag respect is 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 brilliant absolutely fantastic then there's there's other sort of support groups at the moment that i've noticed are starting to to pledge to ag respect to show that they do support and i, I have got to do a shout out for farmers weekly because they always support um, these sort of initiatives and if, if if you go on Farmers Weekly page they'll have streams of articles on it and they get such utter backlash they're constantly getting comments on there they're getting readers writing in slating them saying I'm never going to buy Farmers Weekly again but but Farmers Weekly stand up every time and go 
okay, well, that's fine, but we believe in this and we support the community, the LGBTQ plus community. So they're out there. And then, as I say, um, there are various charities who will just support you no matter what you're going through. So um, particularly in farming, you've got the Farming Community Network, so FCN. So no matter what your situation, what you want to talk about, whether it's uh, coming out as a gay person, whether it's a financial situation, you can contact FCN and they will talk to you. Obviously, the other main one is Samaritans, which, you know, they do some phenomenal work. Um, and then there's there's Mind as well, which I thoroughly support Mind because they just phenomenal people out there who listen to people who shouldn't have to go through this nonsense. You know, the only time we the only time any of us feel bad about being, uh, you know, gay or lesbian is because somebody else has made us feel bad. So why should a charity pick up that work? Why don't we all just be kind to each other and we'll all feel happy? I, I think that's a really nice sort of ending sentence to that as well. I mean, I don't know why everyone doesn't do it. But um, I think I think we're sort of coming to a close here to our time together. But I think, um, James, you wanted to do a plug just quickly for the MDS support? Uh, yeah, no. So for, I think from just my side, I think the, um, the MDS scheme is just full of membership companies that are o- really openly supportive from you know, huge multi-million pound uh, companies that span across the UK and the world through to small companies like I'm working for at the moment, like Protolan, who are a, uh, an SME company. Um, and they just they just do anything they can to make you feel accepted within the company. So when I said to my manager, I was being on this podcast about this, and she was just like, uh, well, we treat you like everyone else. You know, there's no, we don't need this sort of, you know, it's that sort of thing of just pure acceptance. They, they see completely past that. Um, you know, I can, I can go to her and talk to stuff I need to talk about, um, whether that's my disaster dating history but you know that's another po- another podcast i think <laughs> but yeah so i think mds is just full of fantastic companies that are really supportive and i think overall the food industry is such a fast moving fast paced industry um and i think just my only advice would be use use your identity and use your sexuality as as only a bonus i mean it's it's all it's you at the end of the day and i think a lot of i think to be yourself is such a brave thing to be in a, in a situation that you feel comfortable in, in of course. Um, so just being yourself um, is just, yeah, just because who needs that burden behind you of trying to be someone else? Thank you both for coming on this show. There's been some amazing stories and I hope there's a lot of people out there who can relate to this and act on this because of what you guys have been talking about. I don't know, I've got a minute left, let's say. So I think let's just have some quick take home messages from this. I can start with mine. Mine was what Amy said, and I think it's about the action part of it. And it's not good for a company just to have a policy. I think people within the workplace have to act on this as well. It's not just for, it's for everyone together to respond to. So that's my sort of take home message from it. I don't know if James wants to go and then Amy to finish us off. I think mine would be, it's really simple. And of course, with the prerequisite that you providing you're in a safe space and you're in a safe environment, nobody cares. Literally nobody cares what your sexuality is or what your identity is or what you, you know, all of that sort of stuff it's you are who you are at the end of the day and if you are in the right environment that won't matter you were just accepted for who you are um so yeah i think that's that's my take-home message amy perfect and i guess leading on from that if you're in the wrong environment if somebody reacts badly take that as a as a note um take it yeah take that on and just think you know I think if everyone just stops for a moment and remembers a part in their life, because we've all been there where you've either felt out of place or felt discriminated in some way, just think, keep that in your mind. So when you're about to judge somebody, 
no matter what it is, and you're about to make a comment or write something on social media that stays forever, just think because you've been there once and would you want to go there again? Would you want your mother, father, daughter, child, whatever to go there? So I think I'm going to end on the nice positive words of just be kind. No, and yeah, James, no one cares. Just get on with your life. (laughs) (laughs) Just be kind. I think that's a lovely way to end this episode. So I'd just like to say thank you again to both of you for joining me on this episode. And I really appreciate it. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you. No worries. Thank you.